Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat with Josh Morani. I'm back. What an enjoyable weekend it has been. Uh, I should refrain. It was an enjoyable weekend of food and sports, but not of the outcome of the game, which we will be getting into. We will be diving into the Super Bowl very shortly, looking at VNBA and the Clippers, some college basketball, a big MLB signing, a couple uh, NHL games, uh, Brooks Kepka winning the Phoenix Open, a couple movie reviews, and another take by Josh along with my top 10 NFL teams going into next year. So there is a lot to get into on today's show. Thank you again for everybody for listening, subscribing, liking. I appreciate it all. Uh, keep it coming. I appreciate all of you. Let's get in to the Get Your Goat show right now. Starting off with the Super Bowl, the defending champions, Kansas City Chiefs, going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. What a thrilling matchup it was supposed to be. We were all looking forward to this great, great matchup. The battle of the quarterbacks, the GOAT, Versus what people call the future GOAT, the young and upcoming GOAT, the sensational Patrick Mahomes going against Tom Brady, the offensive firepower of the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, to match the firepower of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Oh, what a matchup this was going to be. How amazing this was, and... On my previous podcast, I laid out all the matchups, the X factors. Oh, what a thriller this was going to be! My preseason, my uh, pick on Friday was thirty-one twenty-seven bucks. I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I was rooting for the Chiefs. I had my Mahomes jersey on, but I said on that podcast that the defense of the Bucks was going to step up. And cause a lot of issues for Patrick Mahomes. They were going to take advantage of a weak offensive line. And they were going to find a way to win this game. And what happened was true. I was correct on everything. Except I underestimated really this Bucks defense. Uh, the game plan they were going to put together. And they won. Bucks did get 31 points. I was right about that. But the Chiefs did not get 27, nowhere near 27 points. They only mustered 9 points, 3 measly field goals is all they could get. Couldn't even get to 10 points, couldn't reach the end zone, nothing. They were shut down all night long. What? Nobody was expecting this. No one. Not me, not nobody. All the questions were, what's more, what's this going to be, a, Chief, a Bucks upset or a Chiefs blowout? Uh, nobody picked a Bucks blowout, or at least nobody I know, nobody at sports. It was all a Chiefs blowout, a Chiefs close win, or if a Bucks win, it's a Tom Brady special, a GOAT miracle. But what it was was really a GOAT miracle in the thrashing of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Is what it was. Uh, this was great 
all-time great uh, bucks clicking on all cylinders. And when it's this kind of performance, uh, it's not just that it made the Chiefs look bad. They didn't come out of a start looking bad. It was because this Bucks team was so good, they dominated the Chiefs. And if you were to just look through the stats, you say, how did the Chiefs lose this game so bad, so badly, with comparable stats? They actually had more total yards by 10. They had more passing yards. Uh, not rushing, but how did they really lose this game? They had comparable drives, first downs, time of possession. I mean, how? How did they lose this game? It just did not look possible. But this is a perfect example of sometimes you some stats are huge, but you just have to look at the eye test Watch the game, and let the game be the final outcome. I'm all about the stats, all about the analytics, but this is not what it was about. Not at all. This was all about the eye test, and the eye test proved to me that the Bucks were a superior team. Uh, their defense was great. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Gronkowski is the goat of his position. The tight end, that's what it looked like. That's what it reminded me of. Reminded me of vintage Patriots with a Gronk-Tom Brady connection is what it reminded me of. That's the reminiscent of the runs in, you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, whatever you want to say. That's how good it was. That was how sensational the Chiefs were. I mean, the Bucks were. It was so good to watch. Again, not a Bucks fan. I do respect the Bucks. Respect the GOAT. I won't let anybody slander his name. You know that. I'll defend the GOAT to the death. But this was such a good, good win. And I don't even... I wasn't even sad about it. Because I was right. <laughs> I was right. I called it. Everything I said was right. Everything I said uh, was right on the defense and the offensive line, which was the key. Uh, not, I, won't, I won't go too far, not every everything, because I didn't expect Mahomes to play, play better and his team to play better, but that was not the case. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, Mahomes was 26 for 49, 270 yards, two interceptions, didn't even throw a touchdown pass. His first double-digit loss since, like, 2016 against Iowa State, hasn't even had one in the NFL. This is only like his ninth career loss in the NFL. Uh, that's how good he has been. Uh, but last night, he did not look good Un under constant pressure from the defense. He was pressured like a Super Bowl record 29 times or something like that. And the Chiefs, or the Bucks defense, played the perfect game and stopping Mahomes. And that's what I said in the previous podcast, is they would win this game if they didn't blitz, but still got to Mahomes. And that was the case, only blitzing him a handful of times, only like four or five times did they blitz Mahomes, and they got him on those you know, double corner blitz and bringing the safety on those blitz. It worked. But they beat Mahomes with just four guys up front, Vita Vea, Nadama Kongsu, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul has to give all of them credit. 
because they made Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable all night long. They were after him continuously on dropbacks, forcing pressure, getting off the edge, running up the middle. Uh, he really never had time to just sit sit back in the packet, analyze the field, make a throw. He was running for his life left and right, north and, th- north and south, all up and down the field. He was running everywhere. He was scared for his life. Backer, you can tell he was hobbled by the toe, especially not earlier in the game when he was uh, making some of the re- reads coming out of a pocket running. But later in the game, after he was taking some hits, you could tell that his foot was bothering him. He was nursing it, which is not an excuse at all, but just an acknowledgement. Uh, he did not play well uh, because this defense uh, made him play so uncomfortable last night. This defense was for real. Uh, they were 0 for 3 in the red zone. The Chiefs were didn't get any points. He may have got a field goal, but that was it. They did not convert on any of their red zone opportunities. Uh, they had chances to get touchdowns. Couldn't do it. Interceptions down there. Uh, definitely not good. And another thing that killed them was the penalties. Uh, a lot of memes going around about all the flags on the field for the Chiefs. But most of them, if not all of them, were warranted. I'm a Chiefs fan. There may have been, there's probably two I didn't agree on. Uh, the pass interference, the one was questionable. It could have gone either way. It kind of looked like he hit him in the side, but he didn't. Uh, and then on the other one, Tyran Matthew holding, I think, Mike Evans again. So those were the only two questionable calls uh, I saw. Other than that, you know, the holdings, uh, unnecessary roughness on Chris Jones. It, it was stupid penalties you didn't have to take. Maybe the phantom offside on me, Cole Harbin. They said that was a good one, but, you know, I couldn't. they didn't give me a good look at that. Not a good replay. Uh, so, yeah, like the penalties really, really killed this team. Lining up on side, the roughness, unsportsmanlike conduct. I feel like Brady should have got a dual one on Tyran Matthew. I feel like it should have gone both ways. Or You know, it's just the chippiness of the game. Tyron Matthew didn't do anything dirty. Uh, but he got away with a pass interference as well, another one. Uh, so the penalties, you know, really, really hurt this team. Uh, it was definitely not uh, disciplined Chiefs at all. Not the Andy Reid team that coach that I'm used to seeing out on the field. Not one bit. But the Bucks, the key was their first downs. They had more of them. Three or uh, six of those first downs came just from penalties because they were all huge. They were defensive holdings and offsides that caused plays to keep on going, pass interferences. It was huge, huge penalties uh, that caused these first downs and what, you know, gave them a lot of them points is, once he showed me to stop, you know, a punt, fourth and five, or a field goal, fourth and five, and I'll line up offsides, and guess what? It's a first down. That was huge. Uh, Brady was just efficient. First half, 80% completion percentage, a Super Bowl record, and he finished efficient as well, 21 for 29, 201 yards, and three touchdowns. Fournette got a touchdown, 89 yards. He played big. 
and Gronkowski look like the career renaissance. Up in here, six receptions, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. And it's crazy, because he looked like the better tight end last night than Travis Kelsey. And you look at Kelsey, it's like 10 receptions, 133 yards. Maybe I'm just accustomed to seeing uh, Travis Kelsey do that. But he didn't really have any explosive plays at all. Uh, Gronk looked like the more explosive tight end last night, uh, which is sad, uh, running a little... You know, screens out there and uh, catching a ball and just running after a catch of a robo-like man that he is. He played huge. And then again, just can't say enough about this defense and the job that Todd Bowles did. Uh, the blitz happy. Todd Bowles bring the pressure. Uh, really got to the quarterback with four. Excellent game plan. Doubling Tyreek basically the whole game having a corner with him and bringing another safety up top. We really had no plays deep to run with Tyreek Hill. That's what opens up this offense. Uh, one thing I thought they could have done, the Chiefs, which they didn't do is kind of their jet sweeps and motions with Hill, kind of get Hill and Hardman involved. Uh, they abandoned those. They didn't do them a lot yesterday. That could have opened up the game more. But uh, Gronk, looking the way he does over Ben Kelsey, uh, looking like a top three tight end in the league now. I never thought I'd say that again, but he looked good. This whole defense, again, looked good. Byron Leftwich, the job he did with the offense was simply amazing. And some of the throws Patrick Mahomes made, like the one where he's all the way on the left hash mark, then he runs all the way to the right hash mark, and he's getting tackled, and he throws it parallel, knee almost touching the ground, hits the receiver on the helmet, should have caught that. Should have been a first down. You don't know what happens. Yeah, I think they were down 31-9. But that gives them the spark since they're down at the one-yard line. Gets a touchdown. I'm uh, not saying that would have changed the outcome of the game. But you never know in the NFL. You never know in the Super Bowl. So that was huge. Uh, and he just he put his heart out there. He made all the plays he could uh, possibly make under the pressure that he did under all the circumstances. But, you know, it's going to be this is a tough Tough loss for the Chiefs. They're going to have to learn from it. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to adjust when you basically don't have Tyreek Hill up there. When you don't have Tyreek Hill, you have to learn to take shots somewhere else, scheme somewhere else. Eric Bieniemy is going to have to adjust as well. Uh, he's going to have to make adjustments. Some of the loss is on him as well, not getting his troops ready the way that Bruce Arians and his team did. Uh, so that was huge. And this was also huge for Patrick Mahomes in terms of getting to GOAT status, GOAT level. With this loss here, I don't think he can ever, 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 ever be the GOAT unless he wins eight Super Bowls. And I think that is highly, highly unlikely to win eight Super Bowls. Uh, he's already won one, but he'll have to win seven more to surpass Tom Brady. If he gets seven, that's still not enough. If he gets six more and gets seven, that's not enough to beat Tom Brady because Tom Brady now has the head-to-head Super Bowl win, Super Bowl matchup at 43 years of age is what he beat him, and he looked better. If they were to go again next year and Tom Brady were to lose to Patrick Mahomes, I still feel the same way. Patrick Mahomes would have to get to eight. Because if it's an old Tom Brady, it's not in the prime Tom Brady. 
he still has to get to eight no matter what. In order to be the GOAT, he has to get eight Super Bowls. And it has to be undisputed. He has to get to eight. But he also has to have the records that uh, Tom Brady has. You know, the all-career wins, passing touchdowns, might be passing yards next year if Drew retires and Brady plays. Uh, all-time wins, Super Bowl wins, playoff wins. It's just every, basically every category uh, that one can own for wins and everything like that. Tom Brady owns. Tom Brady has it. So it's not just the Super Bowls. It's everything else that makes Tom Brady the GOAT. That's what Patrick Mahomes has to overcome. That's what he has to do. And he has to do it for the next 15 to 20 years. That's how long he has to endure. That's how long he has to endure. And guess what? In 20 years, Tyreek Hill won't be there outrunning all these studs. Kelsey will not be there in 20 years. He won't. Uh, Sammy Watkins won't be there in 20 years. Tyron Matthew won't be there for 20 years. Chris Jones won't be there in 20 years. Uh, so he's going to have to adjust with people probably in 10 years. And who knows what happens then. But they do have a team locked down. They're in really not a huge situation. Uh, learn to adjust, especially during halftime, make adjustments. But they got a young team as of right now. They're all signed for the next couple of years. So their window is still open for the time being. And with Patrick Mahomes, to me, their window will always be open. I got mad respect for Patrick Mahomes. So that is huge in itself. And then also, just the whole Super Bowl experience was great. Uh, the advertisements, I thought, were really good. Uh, Rocket Mortgage, the, you know, the movie commercials for, you know, Marvel's uh, Captain America, I mean, Falcon Winter Soldier, was amazing. Those were all good. Uh, well, Weekend put on a great halftime show. I'm not a fan, huge fan of The Weekend, uh, but he put on an amazing halftime show. He killed it out there. He did so well. Gave us so many more memes, and it's all just wonderful. He did great. So really, the whole experience, the NFL pulling this off uh, in unprecedented circumstances under the COVID-19 pandemic, playing all the games, finishing the Super Bowl on time, everything on time. Hats off to the NFL, and thank you for an incredible NFL season. Now I just can't wait for September again. All right. Before I get into my top 10 teams going into next year for the NFL, we have to talk just a little, little NBA. And what about the NBA? Is I was right on Friday when I was making my picks. I was right about the Celtics beating the Clippers. I said Jason Tatum was going to pop off. But he did. He got 34 points. He looked good. And I said they lost to the Lakers. But you know what? They are going to beat the Clippers. They're not losing to both LA teams. And I was right. That did not happen. The Celtics looked good. And they beat the Clippers. Then the next night, LeBron carried his team to victory in double overtime against the Pistons. Yes, they were basically up the whole game, and the Pistons had to, you know, claw their way back, find a way back into the game. But they did it. Lakers pulled it out. LeBron looked good doing it. 
He didn't choke in overtime like people want to talk about him choking in the fourth quarter. He came through. He delivered. Because that's what he does. That's what LeBron James does. And then yesterday, before the Super Bowl got started, the Clippers lost again to the Kings. And they sadly never thought I'd say this, but they need Paul George more than ever right now to stop this little skid there on they need. Paul George, he's having an MVP caliber season, much like he did that last year with Thunder. Looking good. Uh, exacting vengeance on those like me who called him out after a terrible playoff P performance, uh, shooting the ball at the backboard and just playing terrible in the bubble. Uh, he's rebounded and played so well this year. And the Clippers need him if they want to make any noise in the West. Kawhi is not LeBron James where he can will his team to victory night in and night out. That is not Kawhi's level. That's not Kawhi's job. Kawhi needs PG just like PG needs Kawhi. Uh, But since they lost again, guess what? They're no longer the top dog in the East or in the West and that's what I like. I don't like the Clippers being number one. I like them being right at number three where they're at and the Jazz and the Lakers being ahead of them. And speaking of the Jazz, the Jazz are looking for real with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. They're looking really good. They're great defensively, and they're really, really great offensively. And guess what? They're another team. They blew a 3-1 lead last year to the Nuggets. Nobody talked about it because it wasn't as huge as the Clippers blowing of a 3-1 lead. I thought the Jazz were going to take it when they were up 3-1, and guess what? They look really good. But no, they blew it to the Nuggets, and nobody talked about it because the Clippers, one of the favorites, the East matchup they all wanted, the Clippers blew it to the Nuggets, so that was the talk of the offseason. That was the talk of the 3-1 blowing leads. Uh, gave the Warriors of 2016 a you know, little breathing room to another 3-1 lead blown in the NBA. Takes all that pressure off you, Golden State. But the Jazz did that, but they're rebounding well. Uh, They look like a real, real contender to the Lakers and the throne in the West. They really do, playing well both sides of the ball. I don't really think they need to change anything with their team with the way they're knocking down shots and playing defense. This team is legit, and I see them going to the conference finals right now the way they're playing. I don't see anybody beating them in a seven-game series, except for the Lakers. Yeah, it would be the only team on my mind that I have doing that. Then, quick segue, more basketball, but this time of the college variety. Ohio State made a huge move after beating teams like Iowa last week. Uh, Moved all the way up to number four. Number four. Uh... Michigan moved up to three with Villanova's loss. Villanova went down to five. Uh, that is huge. Big Ten now has them, Michigan, Ohio State, I think Illinois at six. So the Big Ten is up there with teams. Uh, Kansas is out of the top 25. Uh, but really, the Big Ten this year is the best college basketball conference there is. Uh, even with Michigan being out, they have been, this conference has been so, so good, and it's sad with Michigan testing positive 
for COVID. On Thursday, we will not see the Illinois-Michigan matchup. We will not see six versus three. We won't see that at all because it's postponed. Won't happen. Very upsetting. That was going to be a huge game. Michigan's first game back, seeing the test. But that didn't happen. But even when they get back, they play Wisconsin, which is huge. And we can still look forward to Michigan-Ohio State. Three versus four if all things align and play well. Who knows what team Michigan will be coming back from this break. But it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Baylor looks like the real deal. Gonzaga looks like the real deal. Though those are the top two teams. And everybody else to me is a tier below. But college basketball is now going to be fun to watch. More fun now that the NFL is done and over with. Same with the NBA. Have to move on to different things now. What also was huge this past weekend was Trevor Bauer going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was huge news. That was something I was in total shock and disbelief over. I knew there were rumblings of the Dodgers getting him, but I thought he was going to the Mets. I wanted him to go to the Mets. And he ended up signing with the Dodgers. I believe the Mets even put more money on the table. And he took just more guaranteed to go with the Dodgers. And uh, the team that already won really didn't lose anybody. Out of Cy Young winner and Trevor Bauer. That's the Dodgers for you. They're looking like the Yankees of old, the evil empire that would just go out, sign money, sign people away. That's what the Dodgers are now. And they have an all-time, could be all-time great rotation with Trevor Bauer, with Walker Bueller, with Clayton Kershaw, with David Price. Uh, That is an amazing rotation. That rotation is a rotation that will get you back to the World Series. That is a rotation that will allow two hits a night. Uh, That is a rotation of Cy Young winners and Cy Young contenders. That's what it is. Uh, That's a team that is not just looking to have just one, one time in a floozy pandemic type season, but this is a team that wants to go out and win again. So they signed the top dog in Trevor Bauer and said, let's run it back. Uh, you're going to beat us. You're going to really, really have to beat us. Not all of us are going to be having off night the same week in a row. Not all of us are. That's what the Dodgers expect, and that's kind of what I expect as well. You know, definitely hurts the Mets' chances of going. Hurts the Padres' chance of going. But at least he didn't end up in the AFC or AL contender for the Yankees. But I don't even foresee the Yankees or... Just if a team from AL makes it, it just makes it so much tougher now to beat the Dodgers. That's for sure. That's for sure. But go out, Dodgers. Uh, Rich getting richer. Uh, Rotation getting more rotational. That's just what it is. It's pathetic on everybody else's part for not trying to sign Trevor Bauer just to prevent them not from going to the Dodgers. I mean, come on. Then, in the NHL, 
uh, action hasn't been too exciting lately. Uh, got a, slated for, you know, six games tonight. Uh, only games that concern to me, Islanders and Rangers. They're tightened at 10 points. And Hurricanes and Blue Jackets, uh, they're vying for uh, top seed in their division. And with limited games, uh, to get to the playoffs only 56, like a reduce of 26, every game is huge. Every game is huge. Uh, but Rangers are kind of hitting their stride with Chester getting that, kind of finding their groove on offense. They're not great defensively, but they're finding their groove. I think the Rangers will get it done tonight against the Islanders. Islanders are, de- are definitely a tough team with Barry Trotz as a head coach and the way they play defense, the way they zone out and just not allow much down the ice. But I got the Rangers breaking it, uh, even though with these two teams playing, it's either a blowout Islanders or a blowout, blowout Rangers. So I'm definitely not picking anything close. So I'll pick out a blowout Rangers, and I'm, I'll probably be wrong, but I'm going to go with it. Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, I'm going to go with the Jackets. Liney finding his groove. Roslovic, this team clicking now. Uh, John Tortorella coaching him up. Definitely, definitely have the Blue Jackets. Uh, not going to pick him every game like I want to. Not going to pick Patrick Liney to be that beast as he is because that definitely hurt my prediction. But he's the man. Then Brooks Kepka won the Waste Management Phoenix Open. The game or the match that I wanted to attend on Saturday. If a crazy 16 skybox, birdie 16, of course, and goes crazy. He chips in for Eagle yesterday on 17, played out of his mind on the weekend to win. Uh, I wanted to see that. I wanted to be a part of Brooks Kepka winning. Uh, should have pulled the trigger on what I needed to do to go up there, but I didn't. So next year, I'll be there. I'll be going, and I'll be looking forward to it. Uh, congratulations to Brooks Kepka on his second win there. Um, that's kind of just how he is. He knows, of course, or n- knows something like the Phoenix Open, and he just wins it or is in contention all the time. So congratulations, Brooks. You're a terrific golf player. Now, moving on, back to the NFL. My top 10 teams going into next year that will start off the season in September, these are going to be my top 10 teams, teams that will have the most potential, uh, most riding on them. These are the teams right here. At number 10, I have the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, why? Because they've played so so well this past season, have a lot of momentum going in. Kevin Stefanski is the head coach, coach of the year. Uh... He'll be good. He'll get his troops back in line. Baker Mayfield has only been progressing in this offense. I see him progressing even more with Jarvis Landry. OBJ, Odell Beckham is coming back. Win healthy, arguably a top five wide receiver in the league that makes circus highlight real catches. That's who will be coming back to aid this offense. To me, this offense goes through Nick Chubb. And Kareem Hunt, that top running back duo that is so good. This amazing offensive line that runs the football. But having OBJ just opens up this offense so much more. When he gets going, then he gets double teamed. Opens up the other side of the field for Landry and Higgins. 
and for the running backs to do their thing. Uh, this defense is ascending as well with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. It's a young defense. They do have to make some safety adjustments back there, uh, bring somebody in, but re-sign their people, get younger through the draft. This team is ascending, and that's why they're number 10 on my top 10 teams going into next year. Number 9, the Tennessee Titans. Oh, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. Guess who you have on your team? The Offensive Player of the Year and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, the bulldozer. The train that goes right through you. The bullet train effect because he is so fast. And his speed is so deceptive. So deceptive. He's back. Ryan Tannehill. A.J. Brown. This offense is really good. Even losing their offensive coordinator to be the head coach in Atlanta. He is amazing. That's who he is. That's who he's going to continue to be. And they're just going to run until Derrick Henry cannot run no more. Uh, I am skeptical of an offense like that. Because uh, Tannehill's not out worldly out of his world talent or anything like that. So if Derrick Henry gets injured, uh, the Titans are over. Um, but I, I don't see foresee that. I foresee Derrick Henry continuing to plow and plow. Well, reason I don't have him higher on this list is they need to shore up a lot on defense. They couldn't get to the quarterback to save their life last year. They couldn't. They can't pass rush. They can't stop a run. This defense is bad. It is what it is. They have an okay pass defense, but this defense up front, that front seven, is bad. It's the reality of it. Uh, Their linebackers, their defensive line, I mean, they need to shore a lot of things up in order to contend like they did two years ago against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. A lot on this defense that needs fixed. That's why they're number nine, not higher, but better than the Browns uh, because they have a steady offensive game plan that works. Number eight, the team that finally beat the Titans in the playoffs that looks like a rivalry in the making, the Baltimore Ravens. Why the Baltimore Ravens at seven? Because Lamar Jackson. Uh, that's also why they're no higher than number eight is cause, because of Lamar Jackson. He is really good. No, I won't lie, he's he's good. But he's not great. The way the Ravens are constructed means they will not win anything else. Uh, they are all on Lamar. They don't have a true number one wide receiver. Marquise Hollywood-Brown is not that guy. He's talented, but he's not the guy. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins is running back. They need a year to step up. We'll see how they will be with them cutting Mark Ingram. Their defense is really good with Calais Campbell, Marlon Humphreys, uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, no, Not really a lot of question marks on this defense. It's if they can get Lamar Jackson, a number one wide receiver to pair with them, and then see if he's truly, truly an elite quarterback that can make big plays with his arm, or if he's just strictly a running quarterback. And we won't can't decide on it. Until they get a number one wide receiver like Kyler Murray did with DeAndre Hopkins and what the Bills did with Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. 
So that remains to be seen. That's why we're no higher on this list. Number seven, the San Francisco 49ers. You might say, Josh, what is that? What are you doing there? They had a terrible season last year. But yes, this is also potential teams going into next year. And guess what? San Francisco 49ers are only one year removed from being in the Super Bowl, uh, one quarter away from closing the deal if it wasn't for Jimmy G playing terribly. And this defense just getting tired. And guess what? We had so many injuries this year. Injury plagued up and down. Uh, the loss of their defensive tackle to force Buckner did hurt going to the Colts, especially when you had players like Nick Bosa get hurt, uh, Richard Sherman on and off, uh, IL trading Quan Alexander, uh, Tart injured. I mean, really, this whole defense was banged up. Uh, and they were still a good defense with Robert Sala. Robert Sala's gone now. He's no longer coaching this defense. What is the future of this defense? I believe they'll come back healthy. Maybe they won't be as good as Sala was coaching him, but this defense will be back. Uh, George Kittle was injured most of the year. Jimmy G was injured most of the year. They'll be back. They'll be playing better because that connection is really good. George Kittle is just really good. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a lot of promise. Debo Samuel, super fast. Raheem Mostert will be back. So, yeah, a lot of players going to be back next year for the 49ers in a loaded NFC West, which really brings me to my next two teams. Number six, the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, Walter Payton, man of the year. Uh, does so much for his community, so much for the NFL. Uh, truly a great person, great human being. But guess what? They have a new offensive coordinator now. We have to see how he adjusts. Pete Carroll wants this run-first philosophy. What does that mean for, you know, Russell Wilson? You have Chris Carson back there who's not elite-elite. He's good, but he's not a top dog. Don't get me wrong. Don't come at me for that take. Mess you up. Uh, DK Metcalf is brilliant. He'll continue to progress. Tyler Lockett, the broken plays that Russell Wilson scrambles, makes with his feet. Uh, This offensive line, though, is just a plague, a continuous plague on this team, and they need to fix that up. The defense, uh, terrible weeks one through eight, that first half of the season, terrible. Then they turn it around in the second half, so do they re-sign Carlos Dunlap, go after another pass rush, because they really needed to generate a pass rush. Jamal Adams having shoulder surgery, how does this affect him going forward? Is he going to be that same playmaker? Uh, he's a liability in coverage. You can't trust him to go one-on-one. But he does create big plays um, a run, creating sacks. What do you do with him? So there are a few key question marks in this defense that need to be shored up. And then the philosophy on offense. Uh, they went from let Russ cook to not let Russ cook anymore. And that was a huge change. They need to let Russ cook. Five, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, why? Why do they crack the top five? Uh, because they have the best defense in the league. This defense going nowhere. I think they'll resign Leonard Floyd. They have Aaron Donald locked up. Jalen Ramsey locked up. Troy Hill looks really good. Uh, this defense is just really, really good. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, a great offensive line. Cam Akers. And oh, don't mind me adding the addition 
of Matthew Stafford. And there's some friends texting Matthew Stafford, like Marvin Jones, that might want to team up with Matthew down in L.A. That is an attractive spot. We saw Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay. A nice, warm spot, beach. People want to go to those kind of places. They don't want to go to the cold tundras of New England or Green Bay. They want to go to L.A. I see some players going to L.A. L.A.'s going to be good. There was a be fine with Sean McVay on offense and this top-ranked defense. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, their offense clicked this year with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, that quarterback-wide receiver duo, was only outmatched by Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's how well it was. Josh Allen proved to be sensational MVP-like most of the time this season, along with Stephon Diggs. Uh, But this defense also needs improvement. I believe the secondary is fine with Tredavious White, but they also need to generate a more consistent pass rush. Yes, their defense is just all right, but a more consistent pass rush and stopping the run would be huge, and then maybe adding a running back to complement this offense because right now it's just a pass-happy offensive attack like the Chiefs, but guess what? Uh, there's no Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or Patrick Mahomes on this team, so it can't be the Chiefs, and they can't be this fly happy. And the Chiefs even have a better running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire than they do in Moss, so I think they do need to find a competent running back to open up play action and open up more on this offense. Number three, the Green Bay Packers. Why? Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. He just won the league MVP, had his best year, I think. He's playing really good. He has Devontae Adams, who's amazing. They have a great offensive line who really protects Rodgers from Bakhtiari's end. Their defense was clicking with Kenny Clark, with Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander turning into this all-star great cornerback before our eyes. This team is Idaria Smith. This defense is ascending. I believe they are. And I believe they are one another Aaron Jones as well. I believe they're just a number two wide receiver away from the Super Bowl. Uh, I'll give props to Alan Lazard and Marquez Aldez-Scantley and uh, St. Brown because they have all these tremendous three and four wide receivers. But I think they need a complimentary two, someone of, I think, a la Emmanuel Sanders would fit in just well in this Packers offense. I think that would do wonders for Aaron Rodgers. Do I want to see it? No, I don't, because I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl. All these people that praise Rodgers would give them more to praise. So I don't want to see that. But uh, that would be something, and if that happens, I call it here first. Number two, the now defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why? Because they just won the Super Bowl. That's why, and they look so good doing it. They had Tom Brady looking like a 25-year-old, even at least 43. Gronkowski, another career renaissance along with Leonard Fournette, looking like he did in 2017. Ronald Jones playing well. This whole offensive line, their draft pick, Tristan Wirfs, playing so good. Ryan Jensen. This defense, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Ndamukong Sue. 
Vita Vea, Devin White, Levante David, Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, uh, Antoine Winfield, another rookie. Just his whole team looked looked so well. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, I mean, that's why. And the question is, will they re-sign everybody with their cap space? Shaq Barrett, a free agent. Chris Godwin, a free agent. Uh, they don't have unlimited cap space or have to make some moves. What happens if they re-sign everybody somehow? Miracle bearing. Then guess what? I'll move them up to number one. But that is to me the key questions around them not being number one and why I have the Kansas City Chiefs is number one. Why are they number one? Because they're the best team in the NFL. Yes, they lost yesterday, but guess what? Everybody's locked in for more years. Patrick Mahomes is, Tyreek Hill is, Travis Kelsey, the core of this offense, the core of this defense, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, a big head Sneed, Shadarius Ward. So they're all locked in, ready for more runs. But you have Sammy Watkins, who knows what he'll do. Uh, and that's about it. Clyde Edwards, Alaire's a rookie. Uh, they'll get their starting tackles back, Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, Eric Fisher, their offensive line will get healthy next year. So when it's all bearing, they'll be the number one team. Patrick Mahomes will continue to get better. He'll continue to read defenses better, make better plays, and that's why the Kansas City Chiefs are number one going into next year because they don't have as many question marks as they do Tampa Bay Buccaneers and all the other teams in the NFL. So, that's it for the football variety, sports variety. I watched a couple of Golden Globe slash SAG nominated movies over the weekend. And I told you I'd review them on this show. So that's what I'm going to do right now. The first was the Little Things movie review on HBO Max exclusively. And it's nominated only one I think is for Best Supporting Actor, Jared Leto. And let me tell you this about the movie. I gave it like a six, six and a half. Because it was like a, it was a boring movie. Uh, just a one and done. Uh, actors were great. Rami Malek, Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, phenomenal. Didn't even look like Jared Leto. He really did a great job for his part as this kind of, you know, creepy, old-looking man. Gave off those kind of serial killer vibes. But the plot and the story was lacking. Uh, You really didn't see... You saw, like, this one apartment killing and then the one river. But you, you didn't see the killing. You just saw... The dead bodies there. You didn't. There's no buildup to really the criminal or, you know, how Jared Leto was involved because of the appliance. But there was more people there. There was more names on the list. He already confessed to a crime that wasn't even his because he's just a crime junkie. So to me, he doesn't even look like the guy. And then uh, spoiler alert: then he dies at the end at the hand of Rami Malek, one of the cops, uh, trying to dig for a dead body. But there's nothing there because he's not the guy. Jared Leto's not the guy. So it was. Just a film lacking for me and didn't leave me with any questions or any answers. And that was not good. The next one was Hillbilly Elegy. And to me, I didn't really watch that one earlier. It's because it got so much hate from people. They said it was terrible. They said it was bad. Uh, And to me, it was 
great. I thought the movie was great. Glenn Close, his mama, was amazing. Amy Adams, his Bev, was amazing. The acting was phenomenal. And the story was, you know, emotional. It got to you. You wanted, you know, J.D. to succeed. And you see this troubled life of his kid and how well he did. So, no, based on a true story, that movie was really, really good. The storytelling and the acting was phenomenal out of this world. Uh, I can see now why those two are nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role and then Best Supporting Actress for both of them because they played so well. So I'll continue to give uh, more movie reviews, more updates on movies on this as I go along. But I, of course, since the show is near its end, I have to do my Get Your Goat take. And I'm just going to continue on the theme I left with my last one. Now that it is in stone... Now that Tom Brady won his seventh ring, now that he did this, it's no longer a what-if statement, a what-if question. There's no longer what-ifs, he won his seventh ring. He is the GOAT of GOATs. Uh, I was watching Colin Cowherd GOATs, and he picked up Michael Phelps over him for swimming, but to me that's totally different because it's just a one-man show. But he had LeBron James and Michael Jordan over Tom Brady. And that's done now. To me, LeBron was never as great as Tom Brady. And after this win, Tom Brady getting seven rings, he's not as good as Michael Jordan. Or he's better than Michael Jordan. Tom Brady is the goat of goats across all four major sports of basketball, football, hockey, and baseball. He has won seven rings, all-time winningest player in his sport. Uh, To me... Since he has all these records, that is something nobody else can compare to. MJ had six rings, six finals MVPs, but he doesn't really have points records or uh, longevity-type records of points or assists or anything like that. Neither does LeBron. He's closing in on some of the longevity records, but he doesn't even have the rings record. He has the finals appearances, not the wins. Tom Brady has the wins and the appearances in NHL. You know, you have Gretzky. Gretzky won four, and that was it. You know, Messi actually won five, but no, no one in that sport comes close, and neither with MLB. So Tom Brady is the GOAT of GOATs. He's on his own GOAT throne all by himself. He's on his GOAT tier all by himself. He is the GOAT of GOATs, and that's Tom Brady. That's my Get Your Goat take. This has been Get Your Goat with Josh. Happy to do this. Happy to be here with you guys. Thank you, everybody. Hope you all have a great week. Bye, everyone.